Howdy, folks. This is professional rodeo announcer Joe Coulter, and I want to be the first to welcome you to Save the Cowboy. But before we get started, I want to ask you one question. What is a cowboy? Well, a cowboy is about character, honesty, respect, integrity, strength, and truth. And you know when you scratch all that in the dirt, you're going to spell out the word Christ. And that, in its simplest form, is what being a true cowboy is all about. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready to learn how to ride for the Lord. And may God save the cowboy. After I left the, uh, the Rocker Bee Ranch, I, I, I tried my stint at college yeah, for the second out of like seven times. I thought, you know, well, you know, sick of this ranch work. And, you know, <laughs> people ask me all the time, they say, you know, oh, or, or people say all the time, man, I'd love to be a cowboy. Just be out there and just be a ranch hand. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> you think so? Well, it's, it's not as glamorous as it appears, especially on days like today and busting ice. And I mean, it's, it's cold in the winter, it's hot in the summer, and it's windy all the time and everything like that. So I got through working at the San Pedro and the Rocker Beat, and I was ready for some easy life. So I went back to school. And I was in San Angelo, Texas, and um, anyway, I, I had saved up a lot of money, and so whenever I went, I found me a little old cheap apartment to rent, and I knew I wasn't going to have to go to work, because I had saved up my money, so I stayed at the apartment for an hour and a half, and then I had to go find a job, because that's about how much money I had saved up. So anyway, yeah, I sat there for about an hour and a half, and then, you know, I, I started, where are you going to find a job in town? I mean, you know, I just, I didn't really know where to go, but I had a buddy that lived in San Angelo, and he worked at a Mexican food place called Little Mexico. And I mean, this dude was bringing home some jack now. I mean, I'm talking two, $250 a day. I made that a month, so I was like, hey, I'll give my, you just got to bring food to people, I can do that. So I went and I applied at Little Mexico, went walking in about dressed like this, I was like, hey, y'all need, need somebody to bring some food out? They're like, you want to be aware? Like, yeah, I mean, I can rope a bull, what's taking some freaking burritos out to somebody, it ain't no big deal. And so anyway, they give me a job and, and, I, and I was in training. And I learned real quick that, that being a food taker outer feller, it ain't that easy, okay? It, there, there's, there's about this much more to being a food taker outer than, than, I, than I envisioned. They handed me a menu. I didn't know you could burritos come in that many shapes, sizes, and flavors. They asked me to memorize it, and I was like, yeah, I have that done by next semester. I didn't know I was going to have homework, and so anyway... I, you know, I went through there, and I'll never forget, it was my last night of training, and I'd been doing this about a week, and, you know, there's other, there's some cute girls working in there, so that was cool, and, you know, the, uh, they, they were giving me a little bit of money, you know, because I was having to train with people and stuff like that, and so everything was going pretty good, and so on the last night of my training, they basically turned me loose. I said, man, it's a slow night, I think it was, you know, like a... Tuesday or something like that. So they turned me loose and I had my little old, you had to dress, wear a white shirt and everything. They kept getting mad because I refused to wear them black shoes that they all wore. I just wore my boots. I just kept telling them I forgot. And um, so anyway, I'll never forget these two fellas come in. And um, 
They were, they were college age. They looked like maybe seniors in college or something like that. They was 21. and They sat there, and I asked them if I could get something to drink, get them something to drink. They ordered a beer or something like that and some water, no big deal. And uh, anyway, they, they were real cool. And I said, well, do y'all want to order? And they said, no, man, we're waiting on our girlfriends. Well, it was slow, and, you know, we kind of made some chit-chat, and I was, you know, I was acting like I liked them, you know, because that's how you get them tips, Right. And so I was being cool to them, and they were being cool back until them girls showed up. And when them girls showed up, these fellas kind of changed, and their old chest kind of got puffed out a little bit, and they kind of started being a little, little snooty to me, you know. And I was, of course, you know, friendly fella walk up, Hello, ma'am, how are you doing? What can we get you to drink? And everything like that. And these guys started being a little snooty. And, and one of the guys ordered a queso burrito. Now, for y'all people that, that wasn't raised in Texas, if you don't know what queso is, it's kind of like Mexican nacho cheese, okay? And so, anyway, he said, I want some, uh, I want a queso burrito. He said, but just put the queso on the side. All right, I can do that. So I write that down and put queso on the side. So I go and I turn my order in and everything. I, um, I'm out there and this one guy's like, hey, you going to come wait on us? I need another beer. I'm like, come on, dude. Really? But, you know, hey, I, I'm, a, I'm a food taker outer guy, so you, I know you got to put up with that sometimes. So I go over there and I get him another beer and everything. And they're just, you know, as the night goes on, the more they drink, a little, and they weren't drinking heavy, but the more they drank, the, the, the cruddier they got and everything. And uh, so anyway, I bring their food out, and I set this burrito down, and I set this bowl of queso down, right? And he goes, are you stupid? I looked at him, and I said, excuse me? And he said, didn't I tell you I wanted queso on the side? And so I moved it to the side of his plate. <laughs> it was fixing to get interesting in little Mexico. We was fixing to jerk out knives. And I had one, too. And he looked at me and he said, oh, you a smart aleck. And he said it a little more uh, vulgar than that. And everything. And I said, hey, what did you want me to do? And he said, did I tell you I wanted queso in a bowl? I said, no. He said, then why didn't you put it on the side? And I said, all right. So I took his queso and I poured it on the side. <laughs> Jerked it up, wiped the bowl off. Looked at him, he smiled at me, and he goes, go make me another plate. And so I took his plate, and I took it over there, and I set it up there, and I said, this dude, blah, 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 I was mad, and cooks are mad, and so they do another one, and they put it on there, and I take it back out there, and he's grinning at me as I'm walking out there, and he goes, as I was fixing to set it down, he said, you know what, I changed my mind. Bring me some tacos. And I said, you're going to eat that. And I threw the plate on the table. It slid off into his lap. I took my apron off. I dropped it, and I never made a dime. I never even went back and got my check. <laughs> if you are a cowboy, stick to being a cowboy. You are probably not cut out to be a food taker outer feller. Okay? But, you know, I mean, I, I needed a job, and that's what everybody was doing. That was the easiest thing. It was, you know, I was going after the money and everything. But, you know, it, after that first day, you know, there's just something in you that you just don't feel real right about. You're like, I just, man, this just isn't me. They wouldn't let me wear my lid. I had to comb my hair. I hadn't owned a comb since the fourth grade. 
I don't know why anybody would have to comb their hair. So I just buzz-cutted it. And then, of course, you know, I had the tan line right here from working on the ranch. It looked like I, had a, like I was a white Jew with the deal on my head. And I ain't got nothing against Jews by any means. I love them, but that's what I look like. I had the, the thing on my head. So what did I do? I went to work at a feedlot. Feedlot was more my deal, you know, scooping poop and vaccinating and checking pens and feeding, and that was more my deal. But the thing was is there was no other kids out there, and um, it was 25 miles away. I had a 1983 single-cab Chevy pickup with a 454 in it. It took me 25 gallons to go 25 miles. <laughs> I think I came out with a net earnings of about seven cents an hour. But hey, I was doing what I enjoyed, and you know, it was a lot harder work and a lot less pay. But you know what? I looked forward to being there. I mean, I enjoyed it. Even, even when I didn't enjoy it, I, I enjoyed the work better. Sure, it was hotter, and it was colder, and it was dustier, and I had asthma the whole time, but you know, that's just the way it goes. I got to thinking, why in the world did I go work at a Mexican food restaurant? What possessed me? Well, you know, I, I think too often that there are some food taker-outer Christians. Now, what I mean by that is there are way too many people, Christians, that, that they show up at church, they, they, they like what's going on, and they think, what can I do? So they start looking around at what everybody else is doing. Now, I'm fixing to say some things that some of you are doing. I am not saying that these things are bad. But too often, I think that when, when people start saying, well, I'm a Christian, what does God want me to do? They, they fall into about three areas. Well, I guess I need to, uh, I'm going to start a Bible study. That's what I'm going to do. Because that's what you do as a Christian. Just like at college, everybody goes and gets waiters and waitressing jobs and everything. Christians think that whenever they want to do something for God, that they've got to start a Bible study or teach Sunday school or lead a prayer group or, you know, something like that. We've just got way too many people that aren't really doing what God told them to do. They're just looking around what everybody else is doing and then they say, well, that's what I'm going to do too. They look for the, I mean, that's the, and I'm not saying guys that, that are doing these Bible studies, man, I thank God for y'all, and y'all are doing an amazing job, but these guys and ladies that are doing this, they've been called to it. Don't think that just because you're a Christian and you don't know what God wants you to do, that, that you have to start a Bible study, okay? And, and some other things that, that people think that, oh, I, this is what God wants me to do. The, okay, I'm going to start reading my Bible for an hour every night. And that lasts to about Genesis chapter 3, doesn't it? Well, God wants me to pray, so I'm going to pray every morning for 30 minutes, and I'm going to pray every night for 30 minutes. And that makes it for about 38 seconds until you forget that we don't have any dog food. Guys, you need to quit looking at what you think the stereotypical Christian is, and you need to start doing what God wants you to do. And some of you are saying, you know what, I, I'm not sure what God wants me to do. Well, today we're going to talk about how to discover and use the gifts that God has given you. <clears throat> Why do so many people get that part wrong? Have you ever thought about that? When it comes to, I, you know what, as a, as a pastor... And I don't even really like that term. It's too churchy. But in my position, I hear people all the time saying, you know, 
I, I, I'm, I'm really liking this. I feel like I'm growing. I just don't know what God wants me to do. Your mind's cutting out. You're going to have to get another one. <laughs> so uh, anyway, why do people get it wrong so much? Because using the gifts God gave you is so natural and effortless that it doesn't feel like you're doing anything. See, that's what we've been talking about. What, when I talk about coming natural and effortless, that's why I'm talking about grace. Because grace is something that you can't earn, you don't deserve, and you can't pay back. And God has given us gifts. Every single one of you has a gift that can be used for God. But too often, people don't think that their gift is good enough because whenever you use your gift for God, it doesn't feel like you're doing anything. I mean, I, I've talked to Ty about it, and, and you know, getting up here and him telling that story about that bull loading up into the trailer and, and how that guy was teaching him everything, Ty didn't have to work at that. He had already been through it. He just got up here and told you a story. And it had a good biblical <clears throat> principle behind it. And people, I, I've got three gifts that, I, that looking back, that I've always known. No, I always had them. I just didn't know how those gifts could be used for God. And sometimes the gifts that God gives you are so unique that you think, oh, well, God could never use that because I promise you, if even 10 years ago you would have told me that I would be standing up in front of people preaching the Word of God, I would have asked you what you were smoking. But I've had three things that have always come very natural to me. The first thing is, is that I've always been able to tell a good story. I mean, it just, it kind of comes with being a cowboy. I mean, you know, th that's what cowboys do, man. When you're out there and you're riding with somebody and something reminds you of something, you tell this cowboy this story and <clears throat> then they tell you another story. And I mean, spinning yarn is, is just what cowboys do. I've always been able to tell a good story. The second thing I've always been able to do is make things that are very difficult for some people to understand to put them in terms it's easier for people to understand. I remember even like in algebra, I was really good in math and everything, and my friends would come up to me and they say, man, I just don't understand this. Can you help me? I'm like, yes. So I start doing it, and they're like, but, but the teacher said, and I said, forget what the teacher said and listen to me. And so I would explain it to them, and I'd say, just do this. And they're like, well, why didn't the teacher say that? And I'm like, I don't know, but that's all they're asking you to do. So I've always had a knack for making things that are very hard for some people to understand to put them in terms that is easier to understand. And the third thing is I've always been able to get up and talk in front of people. It's never bothered me. I don't get stage fright. I'm not saying that I don't get nervous every once in a while or anything like that. But, you know, it took me a long time to realize that God could take those three things and use them for His glory. Now, I didn't realize that those were gifts from God until I started following God. I had always had them, but I had never understood how He could take the gifts that He had given me and turn them and use them for, for better things. Now, I, I want you to understand a couple of things right quick when it comes to gifts from God. I ask a lot of people, I say, well, what's your gift? And they said, well, working with horses, that's not a gift. That's a talent. 
Okay? Now, I'm not taking anything away from it. Ty's talented. Sean is talented. Jared's talented. And there's other people in here that are way more talented than at it than I am. But that's a talent that may not be a gift. You may be using one of your gifts within your talent. And you know what? Your talents are usually reflective of your passions. So your passions reveal your talents, and sometimes your talents can reveal your gifts. But too often, people look to their talents and passions for that that is the gift. But that, I mean, if you would have asked me, hey man, what's your, what's your talent? I would not have said, oh, I'm talented at telling stories. I, w- I wouldn't have said that. I would have said, you know, cowboying or, or you know, something like that. Whenever you do what God wants you to do, it is so effortless that it will seem like you aren't doing anything. You know, I, I, I talked to, to Ty and, and I, you know, uh, Kathy's got some beautiful, beautiful uh, calendars that she did herself as a fundraiser for Save the Cowboy and everything like that. Kathy, was it a chore taking those pictures? Absolutely not. She went and took pictures of crosses on churches and, and, and other places and everything like that. And I talked to Ken Holder. Ken made these little Bible tracks and everything and did a wonderful job. And I said, I said, Ken, man, was this a chore for you? He said, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Because he was doing what God told him to do. And when you do those things, it's never a chore. I promise you, what you see me doing right now is not a chore. I have no other choice. I, you don't, I don't get paid for preaching despite what people think. I do this for free. I get paid for the other stuff. I promise you. And it's the other stuff that 99% of you don't know 99% about that I get paid 100% for. <laughs> Dealing with Christians, I should be paid more. <laughs> <clears throat> the lost ain't no problem, okay? The lost ain't no problem. But when you're doing something for God, it's effortless. And that's where His grace comes in. I mean, you know, I, 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 think I talked about it last week. You know, whenever you, uh, a balloon that's tied to a pole, is try, the, all the effort is trying to get released. Once you cut the string and it flies off, it's become who it is. That's what God is trying to do with each and every one of you. But you've got to let go of the world in order to do that and everything. And, and the... The other thing that gets people in a wreck when it comes to discovering and using the gifts that God has given you is I like to use a fruit tree for an example. So say you're a, I'm going to be a fig tree, mainly because I can't stand figs. Anybody that eats fig newtons, we're going to lay hands on you and pray for you afterwards, okay? That thing's is nasty. It's like eating fruit that's been rolled in dirt. Ah. So I'm a fig tree, okay? I'm a fig tree, and I don't like figs. I don't think figs are that impressive. But, but I'm looking over here, I'm looking over here at Ty, and Ty's a grapefruit tree. Man, <laughs> hey, see, the Holy Spirit is with us, you know? And, and, and see, Ty's over here, man, and, and I'm looking at his fruit. Man, he, he's big fruit. I'm like, man, I don't like this little ugly fuzzy thing. And ties this big shiny fruit, man. And, and what happens is, us as fig trees, we start getting in a bind because we start wanting to be grapefruit trees. We start looking at the fruit somebody else has, and we start going, oh, I want to make some grapefruit. I want to make some grapefruit. 
And we don't end up making a single grapefruit. We just end up getting frustrated, tired, worn out, and disappointed. When God, what God made us to do, a fig tree doesn't have to work hard at all with good water, good soil, and good sun. Producing figs just comes so natural. And that's who God made us to be. But see, Ty doesn't like grapefruit. And he's like, man, I can't stand my fruit. And he starts looking over at the fig trees. He's like, man, I love fig newtons. I wish I could make figs. And so we start looking around at each other's fruit, wanting what other people have. And we start trying to do that instead of just being who we are. Being who we are. So how do we do that? How do we do that? In 1 Peter chapter 4, 7 through 10, it's an amazing illustration of the discovery and use of each and every one of your, phys- of, of your spiritual gifts. 1 Peter 4, 7 through 10 says, the end of all things is near. Now, you know, uh, seriously, the end of all things is near. And, and some of you might be thinking, well, you know what? Uh, I, I don't really think the world's going to end. You've got a lot of people right now saying, oh, the end times are close and stuff like that. I think they're a lot closer than any of us imagine. Uh, Jesus is coming back in your lifetime. Or more importantly, He's either coming back before you pass away or He's coming to you right when you do pass away. So in your lifetime, you're going to meet Him, right? The end is near, okay? We don't know. We're not promised tomorrow. We don't have an expiration date stamped on our foot. Not at all. So the end is near for all of us, man. You ask some of these older people, you know, like Ty, that, that's lived a long time. Um, <laughs> wearing you out today, ain't I? Well, I complimented you so much in the, in the first half, I thought I might make up for that. But you ask these older people, man, and it's just like yesterday they were in school. You know, time flies. So the end is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins and offer hospitality one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gifts he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. And that sounded churchy, didn't it? Amen. Let's explain it. There's four things in this passage in 1 Peter 4, 7 through 10 that Peter talks about, about discovering your gift. Not discovering your talent, not discovering your passion, but about discovering your gift. The first thing he says is, use your head and be (laughs) self-controlled. You know, isn't it amazing? You know, we want God to do all this stuff for us, but we want to keep on being just like we are. You know, use your minds, okay? You know, too many times, God loves us and He never punishes us for our sins, those that have decided to follow him and everything like that, we will not be punished for our sin. But do not mistake that if you stick your finger in a light socket, it's going to shock the crud out of you. He's going to let you suffer the consequences, not because he hates you, because he doesn't want you to keep on doing it. That's the pressure part that life puts on us. We've got to be, as Peter put it, clear-minded and self-controlled. Be clear-minded and self-controlled. When the Bible says to do it this way, we need to do it this way. If the Bible says that something sin, God is not trying to keep you from having fun. He's trying to say that's the light socket, dummy. Sin is nothing more but the light socket. And some of us are walking around with a hot shot, just putting it right under here and just pressing the trigger ever so often. 
God, why is this happening to me? And God's like, quit pushing the trigger, dummy. Be self-controlled and use your head. Be sober-minded and self-controlled. Man, I, I, I promise you, that's tough. But we all do things that we know we shouldn't do, and we don't do things that we know we should. That little conscience speaking in your head, see, that's the Holy Spirit talking to you. Anytime you start to get mad and you think, oh, I shouldn't do that, and that's the Holy Spirit talking to you. Do what He says to do. Be sober-minded, clear-minded, and self-controlled. And the second thing He said, so that you can pray. So that you can pray. You know, th there's a phenomenon. Is it phenomenon or phenomenon? Whatever. There's a phenomenon that is going around. And, and, and please, don't get me wrong. But I see every single day, and I get all of these deals all the time of people asking for prayer, okay? Will you pray for me about this? Will you pray for me about that? Pray for so-and-so about this. Pray for so-and-so about that. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. But let it be known that nobody else's prayer is more effective than your own. You do not have to come to me and think that God's not going to listen to you. I'm not an intermediary between you and God. Jesus Christ is. God's not going to listen to me any more than He's going to listen to you. Now, we can all pray about the same thing, sure. But I, I think that we've kind of gotten this habit of just asking everybody else to pray so that you don't have to and so that you can blame somebody else in case your prayer doesn't come true. Well, I asked all them supposed Christians to pray for me and it didn't work out. Well, duh, it's your faith that has stuff to do with it. But we need to learn to pray. Be clear-minded and self-controlled and pray. You do not have to go into these long heavenly fathers, thou art thy great kingdom heavenly father, and just throwing out big church words because you think it'll sound holy. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, don't do that. Just talk to him. If you're scared, talk. If you're mad, talk to him. If you're mad at him, you can talk to him about it. He don't care. All he wants is you to talk to him. Quit getting all formal and ah, ah, ah. Just talk to your dad. Climb up in his lap. Even if you ain't got nothing to talk about, ask him, hey, what's up, Dad? What's up, God? You're driving down the road, man. You see somebody and God, remember that guy. I don't know what, I don't know. You know, he's driving a little fast. Be with him. You don't have to dare you pray. You take your hat off, lift your hands up while you're driving, bow your head, turn on church music. You don't have to do that. You better be praying if you do, though. Use your head and be self-controlled. That's the first thing Peter said. And the second thing he says is pray. We're talking about discovering your gifts. If you're going to discover your gifts, you've got to be clear-minded, self-controlled, and pray. And the third thing he says, they get progressively harder if you're, not, if, if you're not sure what's going on here. I love it how God does that. It's that pressure and release deal. He's putting a little bit of pressure on you. And when you do what he tells you to do, that's when you get the release, not the other way around. It's what grace is. The third thing he says in verse 8, he says, love each other deeply. Love each other deeply. Now, this has two connotations. Number one, we should love everybody. See, Christians are kind of divided. You got half the Christians that, that just love the lost. Man, they've got a heart for the lost. They can go in there and it don't matter if it, what their, that other person's sin is. They just love on them and love to point out their sin and love to help on them and everything. No, don't do that. Just love people. And you know what? There's an epidemic going around in, in followers of Christ. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ. You're going to spend eternity with them. 
okay? Quit criticizing other Christians. That makes me so mad. When people do nothing but just nah, 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 I get it all the time. I post things and sermons online so that people away from here can watch them, so that y'all can go back and watch them if you missed them. And inevitably, there's a deal on there that says, I loved your message, but I just couldn't get past the fact that you were wearing a hat. That's not godly. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Good grief almighty. My hat doesn't have anything to do with my faith in God. God loves me and He loves my hat. Thank you. Even if it's not flat. <laughs> Love, that, that is creased. Ties is creased. It's got, a, it's got a three millimeter crease in it. Yeah, it's nearly a taco hat. <laughs> Guys, just love each other. Seriously, just love each other. You do not have to agree with everybody. You do not have to like everybody. You don't have to do what everybody else does. You don't have to do the things, the same methods as everybody else does. But you are commanded to love them. Just love them. That's it. You want the release? Quit all the hating and the arguing and the getting ticked off and trying to control everything. Just let them go. God does. Use your head and be self-controlled. Pray. Love each other deeply. I love it when it says, because love covers over a multitude of sin. Does that mean that love makes up for the sin? No, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross forgave your sin, but it's really hard to sin while you're loving somebody. Does that make sense? When it says love covers a multitude of sin, it's really hard to do something wrong while you're loving somebody. Because, you know, when I get to heaven, if God's going to sit me down and say, hey, man, we need to talk about a few things, I would hope that He said, you know what, man? Then people took real bad advantage of you and you loved them a little too much. I would rather get in trouble for that than God saying, you know what? You didn't love nobody like I love them. You didn't do none of that. Love each other. You don't have to agree. You don't have to like. You don't have to do it the way they do it. You, you don't have to wear a hat. You don't have to take your hat off. You can wear your boots. You can wear your, your penny loafers. I can make fun of you, but that's okay. It's all because I love you. I ain't going to make fun of you. And then the fourth thing, in discovering the gifts. If, just like Ty said, man, if you want to... The, the pressure is this. The pressure is use your head and be self-controlled to pray to love each other, and every time we do that, it frees us. And the fourth thing, share your home and possessions without complaining. Isn't that an epidemic? <laughs> we complain. Uh, I mean, think about this. If you want to make some money, you can make more money doing this and being a, a food taker outer feller is if you institute a deal in your home that every time you complain, you got to give somebody a dollar. I mean, you, you would be broke, and then you'd probably complain about being broke. But seriously, open your homes up. When's the last time somebody in need was at your house? When's the, and I, I'm not telling you to run out there and find somebody just for the sake of doing it, but if, somebody, if God puts somebody in your path, I mean, I, I, I'm not doing this to pat myself on the back. By any means, but we've got a, a single mother and her child living in the RV that, that Gary and Jill donated to save the cowboy because they needed a place to stay. I don't do that to pat myself on the back, but God put them in our path and they had to have a place to stay. So we gave them a place to stay until we can get a room cleaned out in the house and they're going to stay there until they get back on their feet. Is it easy? No. 
It's not easy by any means. It's not easy on me. It's not easy on my wife. It's not easy on my kids. But it's the right thing to do. Open your home up. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. That's a discovery. If you want to discover how to use the gifts that God has given you, and I'm not saying that this is a method. It's just things that will help you discover. you got to be clear-minded, self-controlled. Start praying, right? And then you love each other. And be hospitable to others without grumbling. Those are the four things that will help you discover the gifts that God has given you. How do you use them though? What does God want you to do? It's so simple. Once again, grace is so simple. It seems like, oh, that, that can't be all there is to it. It is all there is to it. And you've already heard it. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. That's it. No ifs, no ands, no buts. Every, your gift should be used to serve others. But too often, what we do is we use our gifts to serve ourselves, and then we give others the leftovers. Use your gifts to serve others. And then it says, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Does it say right there, faithfully administering religion? No. Does it say, faithfully pointing out everybody what everybody else is doing wrong? No. Does it say, faithfully administering uh, being real religious and holy all the time and looking down your nose and using big Christian words all the time? No, it says, faithfully administering God's grace. What is God's grace? Man, it's just loving on people. Things that giving people what they don't deserve. That's exactly what grace is. Something for nothing. Start giving people not what they deserve. Give them what they don't deserve. That's when you know you're administering God's grace. Why? Because Jesus said, freely you have given, so freely give to others. God gave us grace freely. We didn't have to. We didn't deserve it, we didn't earn it, and we couldn't pay it back. But too often, people are sitting here, and they're not giving people what they don't deserve. They're giving them exactly what they deserve, and expecting the opposite to happen to them. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. But whatever you do, don't do two things. If you want to use the gifts, discover the gifts that God has given you, and use the gifts that God has given you, there's two things that every Christian needs to quit. Okay? The first thing is condemning people, of criticizing people. Jesus himself said there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. That does not mean that you can't love somebody. That does not mean you can't, you know, be there for them. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't maybe talk to a, to a brother that's, you know, going down the wrong path or something like that. I'm not saying that. But it has to be done without condemnation. And the second thing that every Christian needs to quit doing, the worst thing that the modern church has ever done that many are still doing today and it is being taught by nearly every single church. You've probably been doing it this week thinking it was a gift from God, but it is not. And if you want to hear what it is, you got to come back next week because that's the way we're going to start off 2015. Let's go to God in prayer. Dad, we thank you so much for who you are and the things that you've given us that we don't deserve. 
Dad, help us to start being sober-minded and, and, and praying and self-controlled and loving others and open up in our, opening up our homes and help us to just learn to love people like you love us and to show your grace, the same grace that we've been given. Show it to other people, whether we're talking, you know, if, if we have to, let us open our mouths, but let them see your grace in our lives through our actions. Let them see you, your light shining through us. And God, I just, I ask you right now that there's, there's some people here today that, you know, they've been turned off by all that religious stuff that even turned you off. God, I pray right now that, that they'll hear your Holy Spirit speaking to them, saying that they don't have to do things the way that, that that neighbor down the street does it or that guy that was in church where they grew up. They don't have to do it that way. They have to do it your way, not man's way. And your way is full of grace and faith in the sacrifice that your son made and depending on the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us in everyday life. God, if there was something here that I could get across to these people today, no matter if they're new Christian thinking about it or they've been a Christian for a hundred years, is to re-examine their lives and to rededicate themselves to knowing your grace, your effortless grace, and using the gifts that, God, that you have given them in service of others. God, that's my one prayer. It's my only prayer that they find that release that is found in your grace. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.